It's the poet. It's the songwriter that can often put into words, the artists that can help to articulate some feelings that we have, that which is inside us that we may not be able to have the words for, but the artists know how to just say it sometimes. I think about even this week with the inauguration, with all the festivities that were going on, one of the things that stood out to me was the poet laureate, was a 22-year-old girl that stood up and proclaimed a message that was like, whoa. I mean, have you had a chance to, to, to read that poem or to see that poem? Go ahead and just Google it in the middle of my sermon, and you'll enjoy it. You know, just go ahead and do it. But it, it's powerful how people can take language and words and shape it so that it connects with us. And so this is what we see through the Psalms as well. We see the greatest of joys, and we see the lowest moments of frustration, sometimes anger at God. For me, it kind of shows really about the fullness of our human experiences, And that's why I love so much that it's in God's word. It is God's word. We get to see all of who we are and see how God comes to us. This is why, even in Psalm 51, this is a psalm of confession. This is a psalm that David is pouring out his heart to God after he had come to a place of great hurt and pain and harm. We see that he uses language about the idea of desiring a clean heart and wanting God to take his iniquity, his transgressions, his sins, and and he has such powerful and beautiful language to say, God, can you do something? Can you do something with this heart of mine? Because I acknowledge, I acknowledge my sin. See, in the Hebrew understanding of that word for sin, it's probably better translated to say that one has strayed from the path. So to sin is to get off of the path. In the Greek mind, it talks about to sin is to miss a mark. You got the target, you got the bullseye, and you just miss it, right? Sometimes we know what that means and feels like as well. So however our minds might connect, of sometimes we miss the mark or we stray from the path, here's the good news. You can always get back on, right? You know, as much as there would be exits, there's also on-ramps onto this highway that God has for us. This path that God will lay out for us. And as much as we would see what is the mark or the target for us, you can try again. You can get back up again. So when David talks about his confession, when he lays out before God, what he's really doing is he's starting to see himself in the way that God would see him as a person in need. You see, I don't know about you, but when we think about confession, do you picture like, you know, an old guy with a weird collar sitting in like a telephone booth talking to people through a weird window? Have have you seen, you know, I mean, I've seen enough TV. I didn't grow up in the tradition, in that tradition where we go to a priest and confess our sins. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but we've probably seen enough TV that this, there's this thing within the church where people go into like a, a weird booth and they say, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. And they begin to name their sins. And we have this confession. And then the priest would begin to say, here's what you need to do. You need to say this. You need to do this. And one of the things that we as Protestants, our tradition of faith, is that we've kind of lost this. We've lost the power of confession because you know, we don't go to that. We don't talk to the priest about that. We, you know, we're good to go. And the challenge is that when we fail to take up this thing called confession— We really don't see ourselves in the way that we're meant to be seen. Now, here's the thing that you need to know about this thing called sin and this 
you know, response called confession. For so long, the church has brokered in shame. It's become our most marketable commodity. Right? So many times. Is anybody, anybody hear me on that? Okay? Let's be real about this. We, for so long, have talked about a message of shame. You know, we got to feel bad about ourselves. I remember in 10th grade English class where I had to read this sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God by Jonathan Edwards. Anybody read that? I was in my 10th grade English class. And I was thinking to myself like, whoa, is that like my faith? Is that, you know, and, and they talked about all these things. And now I'm not busting on Jonathan Edwards, not by any means. But so often we could talk so much about the problem that we don't emphasize enough the answer the solution. You know, I don't want you, when you confess, to just remind yourself about the shame because it, it will just keep you in a pattern of hurt. See, true confession in the way that we see ourselves will lead to true repentance. Genuine confession leads to genuine repentance, and it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. That's what scripture, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Not just the fact that, you know, God is this big old meanie and we need to just get things right with God. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance because when we can see ourselves, when we confess, we say, Lord, I've done these things because sometimes we live within our, our false selves. You know, we can set up these, you know, realities or we can tell a lie about ourselves. So much that, you know, we tell it so often and so long that we begin to believe it about ourselves. And look, we put on a mask. No, not the COVID-19 mask. Okay, I got that. But we put on a mask that we put on whether to protect ourselves or to hide our true selves. And we start to live with this reality that we are these people. But the truth is we've just put on a mask. We put on a false self. We put on a different identity and we struggle to understand how will people love us. They'll love the real us. Well, no one will love the real and authentic you until you let yourself be real and authentic. Vulnerability, intimacy, aren't these things that we are supposed to have in a powerful, transformative relationship with God? A God, by the way, who knows you, who knows all about you. So when you confess to God, when you name your sin, when you say, Lord, I've strayed from the path or I've missed the mark, you think God's like, oh, thanks for letting me know that, Michael. I just didn't know. You know, there's something that changes within me, within us when we confess, when we name we start to take the mask down, the false self down. This is what Thomas Merton, the great contemplative writer, talks about the false self. Here it's on the screen. Can we put that up? The true self versus the false self. The false self is the person that I want myself to be, but who cannot truly exist. My false and private self is the one who wants to exist outside of the reach of God's will and God's love, outside of the reality and outside of, of life. And such a self cannot help but be an illusion. We are not very good at recognizing illusions, least of all the ones we cherish most about ourselves. Right? When we confess, we get to see ourselves, live into our true selves. And that's when, that's when we understand love. God loves us 
for who we are. And the truth is, God loves you so much. God even loves your false self. God loves the false self that you put up to God and put up to other people, but God loves that true self as well. If only we might discover that. I believe we discover it when we learn to take our masks down and understand our true selves through confession to say, I'm not perfect. God, I need you in these ways. Not for shame, but for the reality that it's God's mercy and love, God's kindness that then makes me want to understand change and transformation, what we call repentance. Because I've seen too often and too often, oh God, I'm sorry, you know, I shouldn't do this again. And then we do it again. Oh God, I'm sorry again, and I shouldn't do it again, and then we do it again. There's no change, there's no transformation. It's because we must get down to the true self and why we do that which we do not want to do as the Apostle Paul would say, or the things that I want to do, I just don't seem to do. What a wretch am I. But thanks be to God. <laughs> thanks be to God in God's kindness, in God's mercy, and in God's love. This is why we say, God, I am sorry. Those are three powerful and transforming words. Those might be the three most powerful words you say today. I am sorry. Sorry. So that's how we can understand the love of God and how we love God, how we understand and come to God. We are also called to love our neighbor. You know, when was the last time, you know, you confessed your sins to one another? As the book of James would say. People always describe the book of James in the New Testament as being one of the most practical books in the Bible. It talks about everyday life, real stuff, we say. And then we just don't do it. Look at James chapter 5. Confess your sins to each other. All right, who's going to start? Who, anybody want to first take or you want to start? Public confession. Oh, maybe it doesn't mean it that way. Yes, as the body of Christ, today may not be the platform for us just to stand up and say, hey, friends, here's all the ways I messed up this week. But really, what power is there that when we have a relationship, when we love our neighbor, when we say, hey, guess what? I'm not perfect. You aren't? Neither am I. Okay, let's get to our true selves then and learn, let's learn what it's like to be community and to be in relationship. Again, why? Because of shame? Why do I confess my sin to someone else so that I might feel shame? No, so that healing, healing might be found. Why do we do it? We confess, we pray for each other so that we might be healed because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You may have heard it said, the prayer of the righteous person availeth much. Yes. When we live in true authenticity with one another, again, it might be just a few friends. It might be a small group. It might be those that you are walking with. It may not be just for the whole body, but you must find a way to say, me too. Not just, I am sorry, but the powerful words of saying, me too, to someone else. Here's where I have failed. Here's where I have fallen and stumbled. And here's how I'm also learning to get back up. This must be a place of realness, of authenticity, because we worship a real and loving God. This is not the place where we should put on airs or hide who we are. Let this be a place of healing, true healing, where we come and we worship and we know the God of love and where we're learning how to love our neighbors as ourselves. 
Again, you can't love your neighbor as yourself until you get this concept that you are loved by God in your true self. And if you understand that you have a true self and sometimes you wear the false self, can you understand that your neighbor might be doing the same thing, that they may be living out of their false self as well, that they may be putting up a mask for other reasons and understand how to take those things down with one another to truly love. I believe confession is the way not just to understand the love of God, but to also understand the love of neighbor. Confession will help us see. Confession will help us feel. Yet confession must also help us do. We have to connect our souls and our hearts and our minds with our hands. Now, sometimes in the TV show, it says you got to pray these things, you got to do these things. You know, I'm not talking about a form of penance, but there is something, right? In fact, it's very biblical, Let's look at the book of Numbers. By the way, when was the last time you looked at the book of Numbers? I'm just saying. All right. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and is so unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sin they've committed. Oh, okay. Makes sense. It's right. We've sinned. You got to confess. Makes sense. They must make full restitution for the wrong they've done, add a fifth of the value to it, and give it to the person that they wronged. Do I need a calculator? Like... How do, I, how do I do that? When's the last time you did that? Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I confess my sin. Not only God, but I confess my sin to you. Right? Please forgive me. And here I'm going to make full restitution. I'm, allowed, I'm at a fifth on that too. You're like, oh, Michael, that's so Old Testament. All right, well, let's look at the New Testament. Check out Zacchaeus, what he does. Remember that story from Sunday school about the wee little man who climbed up in a tree because the Lord he wanted to see? Here's what he says. Here's what he does. He says, you know, Lord, look, here now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, this is kind of how we know how much the tax collectors cheated people. Here's how. I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, this is what I love about this. Look at this verse. Most of the time we would think Jesus is like, no, man, you're good. You're all right. Here's what Zacchaeus does this, and, he's, and Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. <laughs> There's something interesting about this. You see, we know that we are not saved by what we do, we are saved by grace through faith, which is a gift from God. That way no person would boast. That's Ephesians chapter 2. You know what the next verse also says? We are also God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. They're right next to each other. We live in this tension where we understand that we don't find salvation out of anything that we do. Right? (laughs) Jesus says, salvation's come to this guy's house today. What does that mean? It means that Zacchaeus is understanding that that which has been transformed in his heart, he must respond. He must do. Confession not only helps us see or helps us feel, it must help us do. Not just in the way that, you know, you got to calculate a fifth on this. You got to pay back four times the amount of that. I don't think it's necessarily that. But is there something that true repentance, because of God's kindness and mercy, will lead us to an action where we just got to do something? I must respond. I must react. I must, I got.
got to do, not for the sake of it's going to make you right. It's because you've received such a mercy and a grace. You've received this powerful thing of love that you just have to. Your hands must move because we are connected to our hearts. We're connected to our minds. Our hands, our actions, the way we live must be connected. I think confession helps us not only get right in the heart, get right in the head, but get right with our hands to be able to live in a way where we can love not just God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but indeed love our neighbor as ourself. Songwriter says, what if I got it wrong? No poet or song could put right what I got wrong, make you feel like I belong. What if you should decide that you don't want me there by your side? Kind of sounds a little bit like David. He says, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away. David, that's when, you, that's when you're putting your, your mask back on, friend. That's when you believe that God loves the real you. Let me be with you, Lord. Don't cast me away. There's a place for you in the very heart of God. How do we understand our place? How do we understand ourselves? How do we understand our neighbor? What must we do with our life and the way that we live? I think we've lost some of these truths and realities because we've lost the way of confession. What, mer- what words must you say today to understand your true self, to understand what it's like to love your neighbor? But also, what must you do because you've received such a mercy? Let us pray. We come to you, Lord, and we acknowledge our need. We see. We want to see ourselves for how you see us. We want to walk with one another. We want to feel feel each other's pain, our mutual burdens bear when we love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, take our lives, take our very hearts, our minds, our hands and use them in a way that we get to acknowledge who we are in your love, that you are forgiving and we can change. We can grow, we can repent. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Lord, we don't just desire to feel shame, we want to get to the healing. We wanna understand that you heal us, that you help us. So Lord, Bring your healing because we confess. Bring your hope because we confess. Bring your life because we confess that we need it. And all of God's children can say, amen.